Sports News Network. Time heals all wounds, or so we're told. But recent numbers have surfaced that suggest some who've fallen to experimental gene therapy are not getting up. Well, time may not heal all wounds, but time does wound all heals. The lies are being exposed. The guilty are falling. How do you know your players without a scorecard? You turn to the voice of truth. TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. Exposure. Facts find their way to the surface. We see that happen every day, and many people in the nation, in leadership, don't like that. They want a lot of things to stay underneath so that we Americans don't see them. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. I hope your week's going well. There are so many moving parts in our lives today, here and around the world. The Olympics start in just a few days. Do you know they're not inviting any spectators at all? Any international spectators don't get to go to Beijing. Only participants. And the rules, the egregious rules the Xi Jinping Chinese government has set down make it incalculable. I got to be honest with you. I think this is one of the stupidest things the United States Olympic Committee has ever done. We shouldn't be going to the Olympics. I mean, we're going to, which means we're taking tens of millions of dollars, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, to Xi Jinping in China if we go, if we participate. There's just something that smells about this. You know what I'm talking about? When you don't really understand what is happening, you know something's going on and you can't quite put your finger on it. That's exactly where I am about this. I got to be honest with you. If I was an Olympic athlete, even if I had done what all Olympic athletes do, which is sacrifice and work hard for years and years and years with that as their main athletic endeavor, I wouldn't go. Some things are bigger than that. Some things are bigger than athletics. Some things are bigger than competition. And some things are even bigger than the Olympics. That's just my two cents. (laughs) Folks, I can't even explain how much information that we have for you today. Did you read the cover story at truthnewsnet.org this morning? Let me encourage all of you, if you have not read the story yet, it is a at-the-last-minute contribution from our, our friend Kelly Nelson. It dives into a very, very deep and critical thing that every American needs to know and understand. It has to do with the three, the so-called three new U.S. Supreme Court justices that were appointed, all three, by former President Trump. All three with their policies and their lives prior to being even nominated to go serve on the Supreme Court. They were conservatives, are conservatives. I'm not sure. We can't get a handle on it based upon some of the decisions that have been made since they all three joined the court. But there is a great bit of exposure, news and information that's revealed in this article. And I want to I want to encourage you. I want to make sure that you check it out. Title of the story is "Who Really Chose Trump's Three 
Supreme Court justice nominees. Now, what possibly could it be about? Well, it's deep, folks. I'll promise you it's deep. The story, I'm not going to go into the story. I'm just going to tell you this. It's actually a documentary piece. And it should be treated as a treatise. When you read it, you'll understand. I urge everybody, go read the story. And take time to follow the links and verify for yourself the accuracy of the content of the story. Kelly Nelson, she painstakingly took time to investigate, document, write factual treatises for all of us as we see here week to week. This is one of, if not the most in-depth investigative pieces that I've ever seen. Again, the title is Who Really Chose Trump's Three Supreme Court Justice Nominees? And there's more behind that, as you can imagine. But make sure you check it out today. And I want to thank all of you who have been taking time to read our stories that are published at Truth News Network. It's, it's, a, it's a place to go to get some real information, factual, documented. Um, we don't just throw ideas or our opinions out there without having facts to back them up that we present simultaneously to you. Those facts things. We're not just out there spewing our own opinions. Let me tell you the big, big, big thing. If there is one big, big, big thing we need to cover today, it's what's happening right now in the United States Senate. You know what's up going on. They've tried and tried and tried. They've failed and failed and failed in the Senate to get rid of the filibuster so the Democrat Party can just forget about the legislative process and forget about when somebody across the aisle has a uh, a problem with some of the stuff you're offering and demanding that be passed. Forget about that age-old process where you, you go and you talk to and you try to convince people who are different-minded on specific issues than are you and convert them to your way of thinking and joining together to pass legislation for the people. Forget about that. Joe Biden, the president, Kamala Harris, the vice president, Chuck Schumer, the majority leader in the Senate, Nancy Pelosi, the House Speaker, they're all on board of shoving the Build Back Better bill, which is anything but Build Back Better. It's tear down and make it horrible or make it worse. That's what's included in that bill. And what they call the voter integrity law, this is the biggie right now. They call it voter integrity. It's anything but that. And we've talked about it ad nauseum here, all the details and all that kind of stuff. Let me ask you this. You're about to hear some people that are way up at the top of the Democrat Party who are going absolutely nuts about this and their inability to get this, the U.S. Senate to take this these two bills up and pass them. The 60-vote filibuster is the 900-pound gorilla in the room right now. Democrats don't like it now. We've played you clip after clip after clip where through the years these same people have pontificated in front of television cameras and on the floor of the Senate telling us all we cannot touch the filibuster. It's the only way to save the nation from the partisan politics 
of the majority party in the Senate. We've got to respect the fact that the minority represent millions of people out in America. They want us to forget about all that. They don't even care if we forget about it. Folks, here's what's going on at the very top of the Democrat Party. They're hell-bent on one thing and one thing only. They know their majority is toast this coming November. They know that, both the House and the Senate. And so what they're rushing to do is get the most egregious, the most totalitarian legislation that has ever been presented to the United States Congress to get it passed so Joe Biden can sign it into law because they know when they lose those majorities in the House and Senate, all hell is going to break loose. The American people's representatives are finally going to be forced to go to work to do the work of the people, by the people, and for the people instead of for the partisan hacks that are standing and sitting in desk and on the floor of the House and the Senate spewing nothing but venom, nothing but venom. And you're going to hear a little bit of that. Some of these leaders have just gone stark raving crazy about this. But before we get to that, there are a couple of issues that we need to weigh in on. Overnight, the CDC has come out with another big policy that they think everybody on the planet, but if not the planet, everybody in the U.S. must abide by. And they're getting blasted for what they did. And that's happened a lot lately. (laughs) I mean, They're no longer the untouchable. We found out they're human. So what's the latest? Well, they're they're requesting and they're recommending that schools should cancel sports and other extracurricular activities, including football, wrestling, choir, and band. What's their justification? We got a bunch of COVID-19 cases. The CDC released its latest guidance for COVID-19 prevention in schools a couple of days ago, along with a map that showed 99% of U.S. counties are at high risk for transmission of the virus. According to CNN, Dr. Otis Brawley, a CDC advisor, said, you've got nerds, literally science nerds, who are writing these things. CNN, somebody there actually spewed some wisdom. According to a federal health official who spoke with CNN, the CDC should talk with its own communication specialist before they put out this guidance stuff to see if it's even practical for its recommendations to be followed. There simply is not a seat at the table for communicators when it comes to actually developing guidance. This official said, saying communication specialists should take into account whether the guidance that's being developed is even practical. Brawley said the pandemic posed an unusual challenge when issuing guidance, saying that when he was with the American Cancer Society, when we sat down to write lung cancer guidelines, took a group of 14 people about a year to come up with the wording of it. 
And then we tested the wording on focus groups, working with doctors and nurses, working with doctors and nurses, working with doctors and nurses. Haven't heard the CDC doing that too much, have you? Oh, yeah, they work with doctors. They're all doctors. Working with doctors and nurses and lay people to try to figure out if we were communicating effectively. The CDC doesn't have time to do that, he said. Dr. Walensky, CDC head, said in a statement the agency prioritized academics over athletics because of the increased risk involved in some extracurricular sports. When followed, our school guidance has been incredibly effective. In the fall, 99% of schools were able to remain open during the intense Delta wave of COVID. Well, 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 they didn't remain open. They were in virtual learning. They call that. They classify that. Now, if you're online, hey, schools are open. Paul Imhoff, who's the president of the School Superintendents Association, said activities such as sports band and choir or important to students' mental health. None of the CDC stuff, absolutely none of it, has to do specifically for the welfare of our children. None of it does, folks. You would think that they would put a package together and that they would bring all of the experts from every touched part of every decision that they make. Put them all in a room and have people talking to people, not people at the CDC talking at other people. I got to be totally honest with you folks. This thing every day, it looks more and more and more like a real authoritarian government where you've got a guy in the White House that he features himself to be something of a uh, a dictator, but we can't call him a dictator, but he wants to have all of the abilities of a dictator to just push out anything and everything he wants to do and to push out to the people everything he doesn't want the people to do. Come to think of it, that sounds a little bit like Vladimir Putin or Xi Jinping. And of course, we know Joe Biden and those guys they're buds. Yep, that's beginning to look like what might be happening. Whether you label it, you put a name on it, is immaterial. All that matters is what's going on. The CDC needs to sit down and shut up for a lot of reasons, but the principal one is they did not do this COVID-19 thing from the very beginning the way that it always has worked in U.S. healthcare and medical history, folks. They changed all the rules. There's never been a vaccine developed in nine months with very little laboratory control testing, very little time to watch and deal with the adverse effects that happen from this vaccine, just like they have in the past, and we've given you numbers after numbers, names, published the list of the vaccines and other medications that the CDC has pulled their support of when bad things happen, like 
Millions of bad things happen. Did you know that? Millions of adverse effects on Americans from COVID-19 vaccination. 1.33 adverse reaction reports through January 7th, of which, oh, paltry 21,745 are people dying, not from covid from the vaccinations, 115,000 more hospitalized, 112,000 seeking urgent care, 161,000 of COVID vaccine-related doctor's office visits, not to get the vaccine, but to treat adverse reactions from getting the vaccine. 8,800 cases of anaphylaxis, Bell's palsy, 13,000, 3,600 miscarriages, plus 11,000 heart attacks, 25,000 cases of severe heart issues, myocarditis and pericarditis, 38,000 Americans are permanently disabled today from the vaccines. And then we find out these numbers that the CDC publishes every Friday that we give to you every Monday or Tuesday, they're only a fraction only a small fraction, as a matter of fact, of the actual numbers. This has never happened in history before. Never in the United States of America. Yet the CDC, they just keep pushing. They just keep pushing. Listen to what we say. Listen to what we tell you to do. Do exactly what we tell you to do. Because we're the so-called experts. Forget about the fact that on our advice, there are a bunch of people that have died just doing what we tell them to do. Don't even think about that. We're still in charge. Vladimir Putin, Xi Jinping, they run their two countries just like that. I'm just saying, folks, we need to open our eyes. Jim Jordan is one of the most um, outspoken and the most fluent outspoken leaders taking on these kind of things every day. He's a Republican from Ohio. He and Anthony Fauci, uh, they don't have a lot in common and they do not get along. Jim Jordan, on one of the talk shows on Sunday, he, um, he weighed right into Anthony Fauci and he made sure everybody understands that we know now Fauci knew about the origins of the coronavirus pandemic And they're going to find out if and when the Republicans take the House back, Anthony Fauci is going to face the truth. This comes after Jordan and other Republican leaders on the House Oversight and Judiciary Committees released little snippets of emails last week. They say revealed that Fauci, as the director of NIAID, knew that COVID-19 may have been intentionally modified and leaked from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. He said this, Jim Jordan, if the American people put us back in charge, we are definitely going to do this. He was on Sunday Morning Futures vowing to host Maria Bartiromo that he, Representative Jim Comey of Kentucky, Senator Rand Paul, Ron Johnson, would push for a sweeping congressional investigation and find out, discover, hey, 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 novel idea. We need to know what the origins of the COVID-19 are. And Jordan assured us that's going to happen when the GOP gains 
control of Congress. Because we now know without a doubt that Fauci knew on January 31st and February 1st that this thing came from a lab. He's talking about back in 2020. The top scientists in the country were saying it came from a lab. One scientist says, we got the notes now from the conference call on February 1st. One scientist says, I don't see how this can happen in nature, but it would be easy to do in a lab. Did you hear that? This is a scientist. I don't see how this could happen in nature, he said, but it sure would be easy to do in a lab. And yet just in a matter of days, they changed their position. Write the article that appears in Nature of Medicine magazine, which then gets cited in the now infamous letter, The Lancet, which became the gospel for the fact that Fauci can go out and tell people it didn't come from a lab, when in fact they knew it did. I wonder who got to him and got him to change their story. Somebody did. Somebody did. I bet you his initials are A.F. <laughs> the interesting thing is, we point this out. We just learned this week. The two doctors who were most adamant that this thing came from a lab early on, one is Dr. Christian Anderson. On January 31st, 2020, he said this to Dr. Fauci in an email, which we have here. Quote, Virus looks engineered. Virus not consistent with evolutionary theory. So the doctor knew it came from a lab. 2020, January 31st, almost two years ago. They changed their position, Jordan said. A few months later, guess what? They get an $8.9 million, both him and Dr. Robert Gary, the guy who said it couldn't happen naturally. They got a grant, almost $9 million. Congressman Jordan further criticized the Biden administration and the left for the pattern he says they used to deceive us all, arguing they did so again last week when the Department of Education demanded the letter from the National School Boards Association as part of an alleged effort to restrict parents. After House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy of California recently refused to testify before their fake January 6th committee in the House, Jordan accused the committee of serving as a political operation against Donald Trump. They will not let it go away. They don't want him to run again because President Trump is going to run again. Jim Jordan said that. I happen. Do you, do you think... President Trump is going to run for re-election. If you do, raise your hand. Go ahead, raise your hand. I see those hands. <laughs> Americans, in large, want him to run again. There's some other bad news that came out, and it has to do with AF. I know this surprises you. Um, come to find out, folks. When uh, you dig into those financial records, you remember last week when he called a Kansas senator on the House, uh, excuse me, on the Senate Judiciary Committee that was questioning him. He called him a moron when Fauci thought his microphone was off. The senator was pushing because he wanted information about Fauci's personal financial records. And Fauci just laughed basically and said, my financial information is public. 
You can go get it. Anybody that knows anything about Google can go find my published financial records. Well, several national media operations and several private corporations took him up on that and they went, they just did it. And yesterday we talked about, we gave you some of the details. He's heavily invested in Chinese companies, which he lied about in his testimony earlier and said he wasn't, I mean, heavily invested. And there's one other little snippet. You know, he makes 400, is it 33 or 403,000 a year? I don't know. It's one of the two, but either way, 403 or 433, he is the highest paid federal employee. But guess what? When you and I were sucking eggs at the house in 2020 because we couldn't go to work, had no income for a period of time, couldn't do pretty much anything, guess how much Anthony and his bride made in 2020? Over $2 million. Over $2 million. I guess the two most lucrative jobs in America are being a member of the United States Congress or being a very, quote-unquote, important political unelected bureaucrat in Washington, D.C. Interesting, isn't it? Every day we learn some good news about COVID-19, though. It seems like now everybody understands hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin. They're not only good now, they've been good way before COVID-19 came to our nation. Well, there's another one in the mix now, melatonin. You hear it all the time. It's in health food stuff. Uh, I use it. I take it every night. The one sleeping assistance that I get is from something that contains melatonin. It's a hormone synthesized in your pineal gland and several other organs, indeed in most of your cells, including human lung monocytes and macrophages, as it actually synthesizes in your mitochondria. And all those legal terms there, you can go look them up later. While most well-known as a natural sleep regulator, melatonin also has a bunch of other functions. It plays an important role in cancer prevention. It may prevent or improve certain autoimmune diseases like type 1 diabetes. It also has an anticonvulsant and anti-exotoxic properties and is a potent antioxidant with the rare ability to enter your mitochondria where it helps stop mitochondrial impairment, energy failure, and the death of mitochondria damage by oxidation. It also boosts immune function, helps recharge glutathione, and glutathione deficiency has been leaked to COVID-19 severity. It may improve the treatment of certain bacterial diseases, including tuberculosis. It helps regulate gene expression through a series of enzymes. This, what I'm about to give you, came from the Journal of Critical Care. Quote, melatonin is a versatile molecule. Melatonin plays an important physiologic role in sleep, and circadian rhythm regulation, immunoregulation, antioxidant, and mitochondrial protective functions, reproductive control, and regulation of mood. Melatonin has also been reported as effective in combating various bacterial and viral infections. And it's got a big role now in melatonin. Over the past couple of years, 
it has emerged as a surprised weapon against COVID-19. It's been shown to play a big role, a big, big role in viral, bacterial, and fungal infections all the way back to guess when? The summer of 2020. Scientists suggest it might be an important addition to COVID-19 treatment. According to the authors of that paper, melatonin attenuates several pathological features of COVID-19, including excessive oxidative stress and inflammation. And inflammation is the big one. This is the one that kills people, primarily. It gets in your lungs. And all the inflammation swells up the interior of our lungs. And as our heart pumps blood through, our lungs cannot oxygenate our blood. It also helps exaggerate an immune response. Acute lung injuries takes care of. Acute respiratory distress syndrome. In October, again, all the way back to 2020, a scientific review, melatonin potentials against viral infections, including COVID-19. Current evidence and new findings. In that story, it summarized the mechanisms by which melatonin can protect against Viral infections such as respiratory virus, viral hepatitis, viral myocarditis, even Ebola and West Nile virus, and dengue virus. Based on these collective findings, they think melatonin offers similar protection against COVID-19. One mechanistic mechanistic basis for this relates to melatonin's effect on P21 activated kinases, that's called PAKS, P-A-K-S, which is a family of sarin and theonine kinases. They said this, in the last decade, PAKS have acquired great attention in medicine due to their contribution to a diversity of cellular functions. Among them, it's considered as a pathogenic enzyme and its unusual activation could be responsible for a broad range of pathological conditions like aging, inflammation, malaria, cancers, immunopathology, viral infections, etc. Interestingly, melatonin exerts a spectrum of important anti-PAC properties. It's been proposed that coronavirus could trigger these properties, signaling a pathway through binding to those receptors. Very clinical, but it's very positive, folks. There's something good out there. There's something else good. And guess what? Most of the good stuff that we're getting over COVID with does not come from the healthcare experts on your payroll at the federal government. Most of it's coming from the private sector, from real doctors that aren't politicians, the ones that don't take to a podium. They don't get in front of a television camera. What do they do? They do what doctors do. They work on patients. They help patients directly. And then they assist or they're involved in laboratory research to make lives better for all of us through these new healthcare findings. Even when it turns out that the new healthcare findings like melatonin, we've known about for decades, but we didn't talk about it. We didn't use it. Hydroxychloroquine, that, 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 I mean, that thing's been around forever. There, It's going to make you sick. It's not 
made for COVID-19. I'm Dr. Anthony Fauci. I know what's best for you. It's called remdesivir. Yeah, it's remdesivir. I have a reason for telling you you need to take remdesivir. A financial reason, but we'll talk about that maybe later. Hydroxychloroquine, when this all began, you could buy a hydroxy pill for less than 50 cents. Remdesivir, three IV rounds of injections are part of the protocol. Each one of those rounds, a thousand bucks. So 3,000. And by the way, we now know that it causes severe kidney failure. But, you know, don't worry about that. We're pretty sure it's going to kill COVID. And they turn out that that's not true. There's a third COVID booster shot thing. It started rolling out in late September. People have been bullied into getting it. And what we're finding out now, this of course is after the fact. This is what they probably, and we don't know for a fact, but we're pretty sure they knew it. This is really not a booster. It's exactly the same thing as the original. It's no different from the first two doses. It's not specific against Omicron, by the way. And Omicron is overtaking other variants, and Omicron already accounts for 95% of all cases here in the U.S. There have been a bunch of studies that have already shown the COVID shots give very limited protection against the Omicron variant. Yet, folks... The CDC guidance doesn't change a bit. They tell us double down on stupid is what they're doing. Get the booster. That's their only universal recommendation. But that's like telling everybody to use a flu vaccine from one or even two seasons ago. And the reason they tell us we need to get new, different flu viruses, vaccinations, is because the flu morphs, and another version comes up. But they're using the same medicine now as they did for the Alpha, which was the original COVID, the Delta, and Omicron. I bet you hadn't even thought about that until this morning. You remember the name Dr. Luc Montagnier? I told you about him. He's he's a French doctor. He's an epidemiologist. He's the one that came up first with the hydroxychloroquine recommendation. How did he do it? He did on-hand personal laboratory tests on 3,000 French people. And hydroxychloroquine was extremely effective in the early stages of infection. He's involved in this too. Here's what he said. It would be irrational, legally indefensible, and contrary to the public interest for government to mandate vaccines absent any evidence that the vaccines are effective in stopping the spread of the pathogen they target. Yet that's exactly what's happening here. As of the 1st of January, Omicron represents more than 95% of COVID cases in the U.S. Because of some of Omicron's 50 mutations are known to evade antibody protection because more than 30 of those mutations are the spike protein used as an immunogen 
by the existing vaccines and because there have been mass Omicron outbreaks in the heavily vaccinated populations, scientists are highly uncertain the existing vaccines can stop it from spreading. Way back in 1905, Supreme Court case, you've heard it mentioned, Jacobson v. Massachusetts, the Supreme Court held that the right to refuse medical treatment could be overcome when a society needs to curb the spread of a contagious epidemic. And the oral arguments that happened last week at the Supreme Court, justices acknowledge that the federal mandates rest on this one rationale, that governments can force medical treatment on Americans when society needs to curb the spread of a contagious epidemic. But mandating a vaccine to stop the spread of a disease requires evidence that the vaccines will stop infection or transmission rather than efficacy against severe outcomes like hospitalization or death. As the WHO puts it, quote, if mandatory vaccination is considered necessary to interrupt transmission chains and therefore prevent harm to others, there should be sufficient evidence that the vaccine works in preventing serious infection and or transmission. For Omicron, folks, it's January 18th. Omicron's been out since September. There is no evidence of that, not a shred of evidence. The little data we have suggests exactly the opposite. This is from science. This is not from Dan. This is from science. You know what? You're going to like this one I'm about to tell you. We're done with COVID conversation today. (laughs) Why do we cover it so much? Because it's critical to you. It's important we all know exactly what's going on with everything that's bad and COVID-19 and what it's doing to all of us is really bad. But as you can imagine, there's a whole lot of other bad stuff that's important too. We are going to get to probably the 900-pound gorilla in our room today, and that's this mess in the Senate over getting those two Joe Biden bills passed, the voting right bill that is nothing but nothing to do with voting rights. And, of course, the bill back better by busting up the filibuster, taking it away. You're going to hear from some of the leaders in the Democrat Party that are explaining, they're giving us their logic for their demands. And I'm going to tell you right now, there are no facts included in any of their demands. There's no witnesses that have stepped forward. You know, let me just give you a little seed to think about during our break. If voting is suppressed anywhere in America, And if it's suppressed to the level that we need to pass this massive election bill that basically what it does, it brings all elections back to Washington. Well, wait a minute. They never were in Washington, were they? No, from its inception, our voting process constitutionally has been set to be the sole responsibility for the states. Well, they want to bring it back to D.C. just to make sure there's no voter suppression. If they really 
really wanted to do that for that purpose, what would be the number one thing they would do? They would explode media. They would have people in front of cameras, television commercials from these big uh, packs, super packs, promoting this legislation, and they would prove to the American people, we got a problem, and here's the fix. Well, they're all over telling us about the fix. Have you seen one interview of somebody who in 2020 or in 2018 or in 2016 or 2014 or any other two-year period going backwards, have you seen any evidence of this egregious voter suppression? They have no facts to justify their demands. And so what do these four people that you're going to hear from in just a few minutes, what do they do? They start calling us names. (laughs) It so much reminds me of in my neighborhood when I was a kid. We lived in a large neighborhood. We had tons of kids. We were all basically the same age. And there'd be 25 or 30 kids that would always get together every day. After school, during school year, spend the whole days together in summer. And we would get into doing all kinds of stuff. And always... There was going to be a confrontation, and it usually ended up with (laughs) name-calling. I know you are, but what am I? I know you are, but what am I? I know you are, I know you are, I know you are, infinity. (laughs) You don't want to miss this. That's up next. Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select, dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. The following is an important time-insensitive announcement from Staples. Now, for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. Walk, crawl, or lollygag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries, was $4.79, now just $2.99. But act now. Or later, because these Staples Everyday Price Cuts will be around for a really, really long time. Price cuts like a two-pack of Scotch Magic Tape, previously $4.79, now just $2.99. And Scotch Packaging Tape, now just $2.29 for today, tomorrow, and pretty much every day till the cows come home. But don't hurry. These Everyday Price Cuts are indefinite. To repeat, these prices will last. So stop by your nearest Staples whenever it's convenient and take advantage of these normal, continuing, everyday price cuts. Thank you. In a world of change, one thing remains constant. The bedrock of truth. Welcome to the Truth News Network. TruthNewsNet.org Yep. 
truth sits up at the top of the heap all by itself. Always has, always will, and you can't change it, even if you're, oh, say, a Democrat, and you're in the majority in the United States Congress in both sides of the Capitol, and you have a um, an advocate. I guess that's the best way to call Joe Biden, thing to call him. The President of the United States is an advocate for the Democrat Party. So here's what's going on. Um... Maxine Waters, Mama Max, Sunday on MSNBC, she accused Donald Trump, her arch nemesis, and of course everybody that voted for him. What about? This is a quote from Mama Maxine. They want to see a civil war in this country. Quote, this is a very difficult time for Democrats. Not you and me, everything's smooth for us, right? (laughs) And she continued, of course, we have Republicans who are basically following Trump and the kind of division that he's causing among not only people of color, but the kind of divisions he's causing between the so-called haves and the have-nots. That whole sentence does not resonate with me. And I'm, I'm somewhere in the category of people she's blasting. But none of that rang a bell with me. I don't know about you. She continued, What everybody better understand is this democracy is at stake. These domestic terrorists are organizing. The president is helping them in the way he speaks to them. Of course, she's not talking about the president. She's talking about Donald Trump. He's helping them in the way he speaks to them, the way he encourages them. And so we're in for it. (laughs) She added, people are better understand that democracy is being damaged and undermined. I believe that they would like to see a civil war in this country. I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me, but don't forget, I talked about this president long ago when he was first inaugurated. I said that he was going to be dangerous. He was going to be troublesome, and he was going to be undermining the democracy as aligned himself with Putin and others who are dictators. That is what he wants to be. Don't you just feel better because you just swallowed a mouthful of Maxine's waters? Great information. Oh, my gosh. That's number one. She, of course, is a member of the House of Representatives. She's very, very heavily involved in leadership. I don't know how or why. The only reason I can imagine is because of her sex and her skin color because she's not a very smart person. All she could talk about was Donald Trump. And then, folks, there's Representative James Clyburn. He is the longest-serving member of the U.S. House of Representatives. He is at the top of the heap. He's the number two in command, excuse me, number three in command in the uh, Democrat Party leadership in the House. Reverend James Clyburn, he's from South Carolina, He slammed his brothers and sisters in the House with him who helped stall President Biden's so-called Build Back Better agenda and voting rights legislation. Here's what he said. He admitted he had run out of patience. He argued that the people who stopped the two Democrat bills, here we go with the name calling, 
are supporting autocracy over democracy. Do you remember when I gave you a definition of autocracy? Let's let's go back and revisit it. I'm going to pull it up real quick. See if I can spell right. Okay, here we come. Government by a single person having unlimited power. Despotism. A country or state that is governed by a single person with unlimited power. The power of determining one's own actions, independent or self-derived power, self-government, self-rule. I think the first two pretty much appropriate to our conversation, don't you? Government by a single person having unlimited power, despotism, or a country or state that is governed by a single person with unlimited power. Now, she's talking about Donald Trump. Clyburn's talking about Donald Trump. Do you honestly think they believe that Donald Trump had sole power during his four years? He had anything but sole power, the exact opposite. If you want a picture of an autocrat, look up Joe Biden's name. He's doing what they're accusing Donald Trump of trying to do. Clyburn continued, the same people who are stopping this, they're stopping Build Back Better. And the child tax credit that we need in place now is in Build Back Better. Affordable housing that we need for people who lost their houses and lost their wealth is now. Has got less than half the wealth that white people have. We need the affordable housing bill. That's in Build Back Better. And so people who are stopping Build Back Better, stopping voting, they are trying to go to the heart of what's needed in the African-American community in order for us to maintain this pursuit of perspective that we have been on for a long time. He wasn't through. These people are supporting autocracy over democracy. And that's the big issue here, he added. It would have come earlier if the president had put this out there earlier. Interesting. No facts, no statistics, no data, no people out there testifying to this, just like Maxine had nobody. And then there's another one from the Senate, Raphael Warnock. He said this, Republicans are anti-American. They are trying to turn democracy on its head. He was on The View yesterday. Host Anna Navarro asked him, what would Dr. King make of the fact we're still fighting for voting rights all these decades later and arguably some would say going backward? What would Dr. King say? Warnock replied, it's disheartening. I have to be honest. I am saddened by where we are right now. But Dr. King was a sober-minded soldier in the nonviolent fight for freedom. He knew it would not be easy. He used to say that the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. So he kept bending that arc back then. We have to keep bending that arc now. It's not unusual to have this kind of backlash. You know, when you take two steps forward often, there is pushback driven by fear and bigotry. He continued, though. Here's the first bit of the two that you've heard from already. 
Here's the first bit of positive from Senator Warnock. Those who would speak today the name of Martin Luther King Jr., who was the greatest of Americans, have to stand where he would have stood. That is, on behalf of democracy, on behalf of inclusion, on behalf of that sacred idea, one person, one vote. I'm not about to rest until we find a way to secure that right to vote, access to the ballot for every eligible American. Does that resonate with you? You want some information, some facts? Do you know that in voting in 2020, and by the way, also in 2018, in the percentage of the population that is white compared to the percentage of our population that is black, more African-American people voted percentage-wise than did white people. Did you get that? More by percentage African-American people voted in 2020 and in 2018 than did white people in percentage of the population in either one of those elections. Where's the voter suppression there? More African-Americans are voting than ever before. Why do we need to go out there and scream and holler that there's voter suppression? You know who is asking that question the loudest? Every day on the street, African-American people. Uh, We've covered this over and over and over again. You've heard the audio sound bites that we have taken from people on the streets in some of the most liberal areas of the nation and also some of the poorest areas of the nation where minority people, minority Americans live in a higher percentage. Every one of them, without exception, refuses to be labeled as suppressed when it comes to their vote. In fact, they they lash out at these people that are doing what these people are doing at the top, screaming and hollering, saying, we are getting suppressed, our votes aren't being counted, yada, 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 yada. When there's no facts Nothing shows that to be factual. So what could be going on? We'll get to that in a minute. Maxine, she circled back around on Sunday. She said that Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, Democrats from West Virginia, Joe is, Sinema from Arizona, they don't care about black people. According to Waters, they were unwilling to ditch the filibuster to pass voting legislation. We have two Democrats, Manchin Cinema, and they're holding up the Democratic agenda. They have decided that they're going to stick with the support of the filibuster, and they don't care whether or not they undermine the rights of minorities and blacks in this country. You know, blacks have fought very hard to make this a stronger democracy. We've worked hard for equal rights, for civil rights and voting rights, and these two are basically saying to us, They don't care. They don't care about us. They don't care what it means to weaken the ability to participate in this this democracy. Same interview, later in the interview. Over and over and over again. Name calling. And then to the monster media. I guess probably the spokesperson in mainstream media 
well, cable news media for the Democrat Party would be Joy Reid from MSNBC. She said yesterday that Republicans were the same as the Dixiecrat segregationist political party. She also claimed Republicans celebrate MLK Day but oppose everything MLK Dr. King fought for. She said Martin Luther King Jr. Day, a day when people who would have stood four square against everything Dr. King fought for, equal rights, civil rights, the elimination of poverty, and especially voting rights, soberly repeat that one parcel quote they memorized in high school. She then showed a couple of videos and tweets from Governors Greg Abbott of Texas. Glenn Youngkin just went into office over the weekend. He's the new governor of Virginia. Then Representatives Nancy Mace of South Carolina, Tom McClintock of California, Senators Tom Cotton from Arkansas, Rand Paul from Kentucky, and Marco Rubio from Florida, quoting Dr. King. She continued, which brings us to the need to confront yet another big lie. Republicans who are attacking voting rights like to claim that, well, nobody is being prevented from voting. From the Senate floor, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said, leading Democrats said they want to break the Senate because of an anti-voting plot that is sweeping America. Of course, this is totally fake. It does not exist. So Reid then said, you know, funny enough, that is exactly what the old version of the Dixiecrat said back during the 50s and 60s. Oh, no one is being prevented from voting. You just have to tell us how many jelly beans are in this jar and you get to vote. Just read this complicated passage and you can totally vote. Now, of course, we're going to make sure your schools are awful and you're barely even taught how to read, let alone anything like this passage, but no one is keeping you from voting. She said the more Dixiecrats, interpositionist, and nullificationist change, the more they stay the same. And there's another part of an interview, another interview with Clyburn. I'm not even going to mention it. You get the gist. Here's the whole thing, folks. They want total 100% control of the election process. Now, let me ask you this. Why would any one of these legislators in this sycophant from left-stream media, why would they not, to guarantee that the voting process is kept fair and there is no cheating, that every vote counts, why would not a single one of them say a single word about the thousands, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of credible voting irregularities in the 2020 election to make sure those were investigated and that the voting process is fair. Not one of them lifted a voice. Not one of them would even give any credence to the investigations that were brought to the forefront that needed to occur. And subsequently, dozens and dozens of cases in courts around the nation in various states have proven not just a mistake on a ballot, but massive voter fraud. What about happened in Arizona? That extensive audit, oh, it only showed that there were maybe 40,000 votes that were counted 
of people that don't live in Arizona anymore, but that's not enough to change the results of the election. That's their cop-out. If you ever confront one with that, there's no proof there was enough irregularity in the 2020 election to change the outcome of the election. Now just flip that table for just a second. If it had been, if it had been different, if it had been all somebody of another political ilk that had lost an election because of that many votes that had been counted of people that were not even living in the state in which these votes were counted in, they'd be on the mountaintops shouting at the tops of their lungs. But because this voter fraud fit their narrative, they don't want to touch it. Right now today, there are 600 voter fraud cases in the court systems in the state of Texas from the 2020 election. Already, dozens of people have been caught, have been found guilty, and are paying the price for voter fraud. Nobody at the mainstream media level wants to talk about that because that doesn't plug in to this overall overarching message that's being shouted from the mountaintops, voter fraud, voter fraud. And if you don't support this thing we're trying to do, which is not in any way voter integrity that they're trying to pass, if you are against it for any reason, you're racist. And if you're white, you're a white supremacist. And you want there to be an authoritarian leader in the White House, which, by the way, we have as close as we've ever had right now. I guess second to him would be FDR doing World War II. I'm not joking about any of this, folks. If there is rampant voter fraud, if there is any, not rampant, just any voter suppression in any one of the 50 states, tell us about it. Let us know about it. Let us help you. You find some in Louisiana? Maxine, send me a list. I'll investigate myself and I'll do whatever it takes to make sure it never happens again. And I will see to it to the best of my ability to hold those accountable that perpetrated that fraud, that illegality. Can you believe they don't bring a single person up there to verify not any, but just one of the allegations they're making over and over. They're beating that same drum over and over and over, and Americans have had enough. How about let's put that, we'll tie the bow on that. We ain't talking about voter suppression anymore today because it's not anything like they want us to believe that it is. Let's segue real quickly. We had a dog named Segway, Alasso Opsa. She was a great dog. Segway in radio and broadcasting, when you're playing music, it's just you play one song back-to-back without any interruption in the middle, you know, like a DJ. <laughs> That's called segueing. Let's segue to yesterday's MSNBC morning show, Joe. And uh, they were talking, the topic of conversation was about the rally that former President Trump had over the weekend. I didn't watch any of it. I don't even know why normally I'll look in for some of it, but I saw some of the pictures. There were tens of thousands of people there. And don't you know that fried Joe Scarborough and meet 
what's her name, Mika? Mika, who is his wife. They despised Donald Trump. In the early goings, when he was just beginning to run for president, they were best buds. In fact, in one particular circumstance, Joe and Mika weren't married at the time. They were both married to other people, but decided they wouldn't mess around with each other on the air and off the air at MSNBC in the morning show. Morning Joe is the name of the show, by the way. I'm sure you number among the 1,311 that watch it every morning, nationwide, worldwide, right? They, they went to Donald Trump's resort in Florida, and they went to eat dinner, and Mr. Trump was there with, I guess, with his wife and some guests, and they both walked up to the table and interrupted the former president. And he was visiting, and it, I don't have any clue who it was with, and it really doesn't matter. You don't walk up to somebody at a table that you really don't know. You know who they are, and they probably know who you are, but you're not friends, and you see they're engaged with each other. You don't just walk up and say, Hey, Donald, how's it going, buddy? Well, I think you probably know that that kind of set Donald Trump off. And Joe, as he always does, the story goes, he just pushed and pushed and pushed and just made an ass out of himself, to be honest with you. And he's pretty good about doing that. So that was the beginning of the end of the relationship. They wanted Donald Trump to pull them into his inner circle. That's what it was all about. They wanted to be in media the go-to source for the dissemination of Donald Trump information is in, in his campaign for the 2016 election. That didn't happen. And when that didn't happen, they flipped the switch. And since then, they eat, breathe, sleep, talk, holler, rant, rave about all things to do with Donald Trump. So you can imagine yesterday morning, they were really taking it on. And since it was MLK Day, President Trump, he put out a message about MLK Day, as he should. Every former president should do that on a, a big holiday, especially one as important as Martin, Martin Luther King Day. And so they were going to talk about in an upcoming segment about what he said. And so Joe and Mika are just about to begin the conversation with a guest that's sitting there, and they were laughing about Donald Trump. And they were expecting to hear something that Trump said that was going to give them something else to laugh about. Listen to the way the conversation changed. Of course, I'm very excited to hear what he has to say on Martin Luther King Day. I'm sure he'll talk a little bit about Russia, maybe China. China's all over. Maybe MLK China, Day. China, China is all over. I'm sure he's going to be talking about that some. Ukraine, maybe. The Texas synagogue in Texas. There's so much to talk about. I can't wait to hear what uh, the 45th president uh, decided was worthy of writing about this morning on MLK Day. Go ahead, hit it. So let's recall, of course, Donald Trump, not on Twitter, but he does send out statements from time to time on email. And uh, here's what we have. This one just arrived. Quote, will Morning Joe be canceled? He and Mika's ratings are very low. They're having an extremely hard time finding an audience to listen to the fake news they spurn. Mm. Losing them Mm. would be very sad. 
Hope it doesn't happen. What? Hope it doesn't happen. So hope the operative uh, word. There he the is. Operative you know, words. He has got his finger. Hope it doesn't happen. And such kind words yeah. for the show. There. Hope it doesn't happen. We do spurn yeah. fake news. What? I think. Did you? A couple things here. I've never heard him talk about spurn. Um, <laughs> spurn, using that as a word. New word. New I haven't. Have you? I have. No, that's new vocabulary. I don't use the word. It's new vocabulary. Spurn. you got to be careful using that word. I wouldn't use that word. I'm personally. looking it up. Secondly, Rev, he can't quit us. He even says that'd be a shame. That'd be a shame. Spurn. If morning Reject. Reject. So we reject fake news. That's well, at least well, he's you, accurate. We appreciate that. I'm surprised he. We've been talking football for two hours. So yeah. I'm surprised he likes football. Rev, you think you he likes boxing? You think <sighs> maybe he'd write a little bit about our commentary on the Cowboys game or. Oh, I don't know. Perhaps talk about MLK Day. What do you think? Well, you, you I, think I think you got him. <laughs> that last voice you heard pipe in was Al Sharpton. Well, I think you got him. That was classic to me. That was classic. A true professional finds a way to work through and push through without the audience knowing something bad's going on. Whether it's TV or radio, that's just the way you handle it. You're supposed to be super smooth and everything goes just right. And even when there's a blip, you just kind of make everybody that's looking or listening in believe there's no big deal there. I love to listen to them try to wade out of that thing after they just spent five minutes denigrating former Trump. And he just went right to the heart of it. Folks, they have no morning show numbers. Their ratings are the lowest in television. Nobody watches them. You add their numbers with CNN's numbers for their morning shows. They're less than 25% of the Fox News morning shows. And they think people are really wanting to hear that. They were petrified to realize. They didn't know what to say. So Mika's looking up the definition while they're live on the air to the term spurn. <laughs> I, you know, it's not, it's not good to laugh at people for their mistakes, honest mistakes. But folks, when you have this going on again and again and again, those Maxine Waters, Clyburn, Joy Reid, all of them, folks, they're not talking about facts. They're not talking about information. They're not trying to present a perspective based on any facts or evidence. If they were, they'd give us some. Joe and Mika, no they're there. There's no substance there. That's mainstream media and politics. Your daily dose of the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. What happens when a young singer gets to cut a track with an R&B star? Yo! Or a young activist gets to chop it up with their hero? Oh, snap! You get McDonald's Black and Positively Golden Mentors, the series elevating the next generation of changemakers. Each episode, a must-see passing of the torch between the culture leaders of today and the young leaders of tomorrow. Check out Black and Positively Golden Mentors on Instagram at We Are Golden. Look out, world. We got it from here. When it comes to online meetings, you're crushing it. But if you want to crush something that's a little more fun, 
why not play Best Fiends, the five-star rated puzzle game? Best Fiends is loaded with challenging puzzles that are so much fun, and you're never accidentally on mute. So take a stress break with the cutest characters on the planet and download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Play Best Fiends. Download free. Your true friends are the people in your life that totally get your inside jokes, your unique style, most important, what you want to eat. Taco Bell knows that when you get together with your real friends, it doesn't matter what you're doing, but hey, it might as well be something that everybody can get into, like the taco and burrito cravings pack with four crunchy tacos and four beefy five-layer burritos. So even if you're all sitting around doing absolutely nothing, you know you'll still have a good time. It's Taco Bell's Taco and Burrito Cravings Pack. Get it for the friends that get it for a limited time at participating Taco Bell locations near you. So let me ask you this. What do you think Democrats are doing right now, today? They're in session in the House and the Senate. They're up there, obviously, doing the work for the American people, for me and you. They're making sure we have everything we need, that they're putting in place all of the guidelines and putting together legislation to really improve things for Americans, to make sure that we're all okay. They're all about that, right? (laughs) I think you know that's not a fact. They're scrambling on the Democrat side of the aisle. They are scrambling to come up with a plan B. Well, why would they need a plan B? Well, folks, they're consumed with a way to find voting rights legislation so they can get it passed. And they're really in deep doo-doo because Senators Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin, both of them are Democrats. Sinema's from Arizona, Manchin from West Virginia, They're not going to vote to change the Senate's filibuster rule, despite President Trump even coming down personally and getting on his knees and begging. Now some Democrats, they didn't stop. Listen to this. They're discussing a new approach to circumvent the Republican filibuster that may allow, if they can make it work, voting rights legislation to pass with just 51 votes without changing the Senate's rules. These Democrats, including Senator Tim Kaine of Virginia, you remember him? He ran as Hillary's vice presidential candidate. These Democrats are exploring a possibility of forcing Senate Republicans to actually hold the floor of the Senate with speeches nonstop and procedural motions. They hope that the Republican opposition is going to get tired after a few days or weeks and that then Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, he may be able to then call for a simple majority vote on final passage and skip the formal procedural vote, known as cloture. That's what's necessary to end debate. There are a couple of paths here. This is Tim Kaine. Do we go down the path and do a long debate until it's done and then have a simple debate, Kane said? Well, we wouldn't need a rules change to pass the bill by simple majority if the debate is over. Theoretically, you don't need a rules change to pass a bill that's on the floor. You just have to allow debate to occur. So that strategy has got some attention from Senate Democrats in the last few days. And it's now crystal clear that Cinema and Manchin won't vote for a more straightforward rules change to lowering the procedural 
threshold for ending a filibuster from 60 to 50. A second senator, Democrat, confirmed that colleagues are reviewing the idea of forcing Republicans to stage a talking filibuster to block voting rights legislation. We've talked about it, this unnamed lawmaker said, explaining that if Republicans don't occupy the floor with speeches and procedural motions, voting rights legislation should be allowed to come up for final passage under the Senate's rules. The problem with this, according to Democrats that are familiar with the conversation, is it hasn't been attempted in decades. No one is quite sure how it's going to play out procedurally. Cloture votes, that's where you vote to end debate and bring something to a vote on the floor. Cloture votes to end debate in the Senate have become so routine it's become second nature to expect the floor is being tied up in debate when a controversial bill is being considered. Often on the floor is especially empty or has only a few members milling about while the clerk reads off the roll of senators' names during a quorum call. James Walner, former Senate Republican aide, and he's an expert on Senate procedures, says Democrats could pass voting rights legislation with a simple majority vote if they're willing to put up with a very lengthy battle on the floor. Democrats don't need 60 votes at all. They're in 51 vote territory. They can move to table any amendments that Republicans offer to the bill, he said. The easiest way to get to final passage on this bill is put it on the floor. Have Vice President Harris or Majority Leader Schumer or any other senator start to make points of order against any senator who tries to speak more than twice. That's referring to a Senate rule, Senate Rule 19. The rule states that no senator shall speak more than twice upon any one question in debate on the same legislative day without leave of the Senate. Walner said this is appropriate to making various motions, which also counts as a speech under the rule. He also noted that Schumer could stretch out a legislative day by several days or weeks to enforce Rule 19. He said if the two-speech rule is enforced, Republicans would eventually exhaust their ability to debate and hold up a final vote on voting rights legislation or any other bill. Eventually, common sense says, the majority cannot speak forward. So if the majority is determined to prevail in this instance, they're going to prevail. Why? Because they have more votes. That's the way it works, he said. The question is, are they determined to prevail? And this is where you basically get into a resolve fight. This is how the Senate worked prior to 1917. He wrote this, what you just heard, in a recent article in a magazine called Reason. A senior Democratic aide, another one said, that while this strategy might sound promising in theory, it would be difficult to execute because the Senate's two-speech rule isn't usually enforced by the chair and the minority can circumvent it by offering a slew of debatable motions that would set up new questions to debate, allowing each senator two more speeches. There are a bunch of problems. I mean, we could go on and on and on with this, but folks, the bottom of it all is They're the ones that make their own rules. The Senate does. And when they don't like a rule, they're the ones that change the rule. 
novel idea. If you don't have enough people to change the rule by jingos, you go with the flow. And you quit going out, getting in front of television cameras and on these shows, talking about and denigrating anybody and everybody that disagrees with you just because they disagree with you on this one thing. Do you realize the purpose for the invention of the filibuster? It was to assure, this is the senior house in Congress. This is the big kahuna. This is the one where all the big issues are resolved, like confirming the nominations of federal judges and Supreme Court justices. You don't just poo-pah that and come in and try to manipulate it. And so the filibuster was discovered, created, implemented by a majority of senators way back whenever. I don't remember the year it was. But the whole purpose, the one purpose is so that what the Democrats are trying to do right now doesn't ever happen. The minority rights are not just blown through by the majority. And we could play those speeches of by Schumer, by numerous other people, including Joe Biden when he was a senator. They just blasted any possible attempt to do away with the filibuster. It's un-American. It's unconstitutional. This will destroy our democracy. That's their favorite go-to line when anybody disagrees with them. But they're not using it now. They're not remembering, even though it's been thrown in their faces for weeks now, each of those individually, when they speak to the press, somebody pops up and says, well, what changed when you were in the Senate? And 2017 was the last time they went nuts with it. And here's what you said, Mr. Senator, Ms. Senator. Bam. What's different? I heard that the other day. And the response was, when democracy is under so much assault, we've got to do whatever it takes to get this legislation passed for the better of the people. And that's not their reasoning at all. Anytime you see something like this happen, the smart thing to ask, one question, smart thing to ask, is what are they hiding? What's behind the scenes? What are they not wanting Americans to understand? Have you gone and looked at any of that legislation? Build Back Better, the voting rights bill, it's full of stuff that has nothing to do with voting. 90, maybe 95% of it has nothing to do with voting but they don't want to talk about that. And so on the other side of the Capitol, the House Speaker, Madam Nancy Pelosi, she could not go and not weigh in on what's going on across the way in the Senate and show she did just that. Here's Mama Nancy. President Biden and Congress deliver for our democracy. At this urgent moment in our democracy, and we are honored that later today we will be joined by Speaker Pelosi, who has been a champion for democracy. To protect our democracy. And we are insisting on the truth. The truth is that what is happening in the Congress, and I give great credit uh, to the Democratic leader Chuck Schumer for his relentless and persistence and trying to get this done, and to the president for his leadership. But we have to get this done. 
And the truth is that our colleagues, House and Senate, Democrats and Republicans, must weigh the equities here. While it may be true to them that the filibuster is an important custom, it is not the Constitution of the United States, the truth is. And the truth is that the Constitution says only if you're ratifying a treaty, convicting an impeached person, or ratifying the Constitution, a simple majority. Our democracy, because nothing less is at stake than our democracy, that's wrong. The truth is, that's wrong. These, this bill is supported by all of the Democrats, House and Senate. It's just the filibuster, in a way. So, in a way, if you really, truly want to honor Dr. King, don't dishonor him by using a congressional custom as an excuse for protecting our democracy. We have no right to honor this family, to visit the monument. Imagine 30, somewhat 36 years old, left this earth in such a way that he has a monument on the mall along with Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, all of them with tears in their eyes for the departure from our democracy that is happening right now. All of them have tears in their eyes for the travesty that's happening in our democracy right now. They, they go constantly to using the word democracy, democracy, the democratic process. When they, from the very foundation of their tenets of how they operate, they don't believe in that. Democracy is okay when it's a talking point that you want to use to get somebody to think you're a purveyor of democracy, and anybody who thinks different from you is evil and against democracy. That's not factual, folks. You heard Nancy Pelosi. By the way, did you hear a little bit of a lisp in what she said? I mean, it was it was very demonstrative, I thought. Maybe it's alcohol. She's got a big pension for alcohol. I don't know what time of day this was. It was on MLK Day yesterday, and this was one of the meetings and organizations that uh, they have to honor Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on the anniversary of his birthday. There was no facts in what she said. There is nothing anti-democratic about what's going on regardless of what she said. But yet, sitting there looking at her and listening to her were people that are of the Democrat Party ilk, the mantra, the top-down, the control of everything, the shut up and listen to us and don't ever question anything we say and certainly don't question anything we do. We're used to that. But those people that were sitting there listening to her, they believe that dribble. Personally, I threw up a little bit in my mouth, but that's pretty common when I listen to Nancy Pelosi speak. And there were some great words of wisdom that came out of Washington, D.C. yesterday on Martin Luther King Day from President Biden. Here's 10 seconds of the president from yesterday. Listen, speaking of wisdom, listen to the wisdom of Joe Biden. But even Dr. King's assassination did not have the worldwide impact 
that George Floyd's mm-hmm. death did. Did you hear that? In case you missed it, I want you to remember this. The President of the United States had this to say. But even Dr. King's assassination did not have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's mm-hmm. death did. I don't want to denigrate any way the travesty of George Floyd's death because it was horrendous. The man with all of his stuff, all the garbage, all the baggage that he carried around with him, he didn't deserve to die, certainly not at the hands of a law enforcement officer with two more looking on. That being said, folks, Dr. Martin Luther King and the things that he said, the things that he promoted, I'm talking about factually, not politically. He was not a politician. He wasn't. He was a spokesperson for a huge segment of the people that are Americans and at the time and for a long time, for 100 plus years, had not been treated fairly. He spoke up for people's rights. George Floyd never did that. How the President of the United States could conflate the two as being similar but George Floyd being much more world-impacting than was all of the work and the stuff, the things that Dr. Martin Luther King brought to the table in conversation about Americans' rights for everybody. You know, that equality thing, everybody is equal in the United States of America under the government. George Floyd being killed is more important than that. I got to be honest with you, that tells me a whole lot, a whole lot more about Joe Biden. It's amazing this kind of stuff happens. We've got some brand new breaking information about jobs in the United States. And this information is going to be different from any other that you've heard. It's important. It really is. And I want to make sure that you get it. We're going to go away for about 90 seconds when we come back. Jobs, jobs, jobs. That's next to TNN Live. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. We are the law. Accountant. The law accounting. I know what you're thinking. Are we lawyers? Are we accountants? Well, it's a complicated question, probably requiring the services of a lawyer and an accountant. Is that us? Well... What do you think? Seems to me that there's a lot of you out there who might need the use of the law accounting. But that's not legal advice. That's life advice. In fact, we're legally barred from providing legal advice. The law accounting. Officially unlicensed since 2005. Missing persons. Missing persons? Missing persons. My wife is missing. Your wife is missing? My wife is missing. When did you last see her? Four o'clock. Four o'clock. Four o'clock. Where's your TV, sir? The bedroom. Have you looked in the bedroom, sir? Uh, no. She's probably watching Madlock. Madlock is on at four o'clock? Every weekday at four on Channel 2. Go check your bedroom, sir. I'll wait. Okay. I'm here. She's watching Matlock. I thought so. I didn't know Matlock was on at 4 o'clock. Every weekday at 4 on Channel 2. She 
really likes Andy Griffith. Of course she does. She must be so engrossed by Matlock she forgot to tell me where she was. Tell her I understand. Okay, I'll be right back. No, I didn't mean no. Sir? Matlock, every weekday at 4 on Channel 2. Because there's nothing like a good mystery. I'm hanging up now, sir. Hello? There are so many issues in employment today. I mean, lockdowns. Millions of people lost their jobs. Millions of people haven't been able to go back to work. They can't find work that they can go to and afford to live off the money. So many moving parts. So many things have changed. So little leadership in the middle of all of this. Those that we put in charge over us to tell us what to do, what not to do, what's good, what's bad, and to be truthful about it all. Folks, they don't have a D behind their names. They don't. I don't know of a single honest Democrat. And if you look at what's happened in the way of the listening to American people, the American people, do you realize that the Republican Party now, for the first time in 25 years, is finding more support among Americans than the Democrat Party? That comes in the face of Jamie Rafkin. Remember that? House of Representatives Yesterday, we played an audio soundbite where he said, he actually said this, the Republican Party is shrinking when most, uh, his word, huge majority of Americans support Democrats and what Democrats are doing, when the exact opposite is not only true, it's even more so true in greater numbers than were first anticipated. There's never been a president in my life that has lower honest-to-goodness approval ratings than does Joe Biden. So what about this economy thing? Well, jobs, jobs, jobs. That's always a big deal. We know that. And what has Joe Biden and Jen Psaki and others in his administration, what have they trumpeted every time they get a microphone in front of them? I've created, says Joe Biden, I've created more jobs in the first year than has any other president in history. Have you heard that? Have you heard that? Sure you have. Jen Psaki says, this administration. Joe Biden says, I have. It doesn't matter the pronouns on the front of all of this. The fact is, they in this administration take the fact that people or going back to work is the same thing as creating a new job. So yesterday, CNBC, they always talk about dollars and cents, and key part of all of that is our employment system. And they weighed in with some facts. You know those things that if they don't agree with your perspective, you don't want to hear, and you certainly don't want to talk about facts on jobs. PP is uh, oftentimes considered in the employment uh business, if you will, of, of sorts, and, and, and Rick are made a comment, which is, <laughs> yeah. right, that wages ultimately are sticky. Do you see a moment over the next 12 months where you're either not going to see wage gains or you'd actually see a reversal? Is that even possible? 
Well, it's possible, especially if you're talking about real wages, which are negative if you look at these CPI numbers. What I'm concerned about is that, yes, we've seen wage increases, but we've seen wage increases driven by labor shortages. The economy, and this is an important point, hasn't added one single job from the 2019 high watermark, not one. All the jobs that we have seen gained are recovered jobs that were lost. We are not yet producing new jobs. In fact, we're still about nearly 4 million jobs short. So these wage gains are coming on top of a shrinking workforce, and it's not being fueled by productivity enhancements. What's driving inflation right now is the input shortages and the labor shortages and not productivity. So I think that wages are going to be a false metric. It's not driving inflation. Uh, and wages are trying to keep up with an economy that is now um, feeling the effects of all kinds of different shortages from different angles. What do you think the real unemployment rate is in America? That's a big question at the end, but did you get that? Now, folks, this is an African-American economist that is sharing this. You heard her exact words, quote, the economy hasn't added one single new job from the 2019 high water mark. The thing Joe is trumpeting is the fact that a lot of people have gone back to work. Jobs that they were working before the egregious government lockdowns took them away from working. They're unemployed, not because they didn't want to work, not because the economy wasn't out there that needed them. In fact, the exact opposite was true and still is true. We're in deep trouble with our jobs. Trouble that has never happened before, never been seen before in this same landscape as we're seeing today. We're in real problems there, folks. And it's not about patting yourself on the back about the great job you're doing when the economy is in the worst situation it's been in in a long time. And it's far worse than they're admitting to us that it is. Inflation is much, 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 much higher, which is destroying any gains whatsoever that anybody makes economically. In your job, when things proportionately still, even though you're getting paid a little bit more, the stuff you're going to buy costs proportionately even more than the additional money you've got in your paycheck. It's not good news for you. You don't feel happy about that, especially when you understand that it didn't happen to be. It happened just because this president's policies generated it happening. One of the big things that's driving this horror, economical and inflation at the same time Economists have sounded an alarm last week. You probably haven't heard about it, that the U.S. probably is facing the mother of all supply chain shocks. And there's no reason at all to think President Biden or his administration is ready for it. These warnings came from economists with a major British financial holding company, HSBC. It's a big banking company. There are HSBC banks all over America. They say the rapid spread of the Omicron strain of the COVID across Asia, but particularly in China, is leading to production disruptions in China that add up to a devastating blow to the already struggling U.S. economy. Reports 
that China pursues its aggressive COVID-0 strategy, scattered infections of COVID-19 have forced shutdowns of clothing factories and gas deliveries around one of China's biggest ports in Ningbo, disruptions at computer chip manufacturers in the lockdown city of Xi'an, and a second citywide lockdown in Henan province yesterday. Henan is the central part of China, well away from the coast, but it's among the country's centers of electronics production. Coastal Guangdong province, another electronics powerhouse, has also had a big outbreak of COVID. Manufacturing disruptions in those areas will impact the supply of iPhones and other smartphones and parts. The coronavirus has highlighted just how utterly dependent upon China that Americans have become for so many of the products we use every day. Given the tumult of the past two years, not much has been done to rectify it. Our economy is still heavily reliant on China, as are the economies of a bunch of other countries. So the decisions to lock down a city in China is going to have a ripple effect, not just there, not just here, but around the world. And the rulers in Beijing haven't been shy about locking down city after city after city. There are 10 cities with more than a million people today in China that are totally locked down. And lockdown there is different from lockdown here. You know what they do? They come around and lock you in your apartment. According to the Associated Press, China's communist government last week had locked down Anyang and Henan province, a city with a population of five and a half million, after just two cases of the Omicron variant were reported. Yoju, a city of 1.1 million in Henan province, went into lockdown two weeks ago. The ongoing lockdowns of Xi'an, a city of 13 million, also in central China, started three weeks ago. This brought the total number of individuals under lockdown in China right now to 20 million people. These are the most stringent methods and messages since the Wuhan lockdown at the very beginning of the pandemic. Since then, China's approach has become one of the targeting little areas, smaller areas, hit by outbreaks for these lockdowns. But with the world looking in, and scrutinizing, coming up with the Olympic Games set to start February 4th in Beijing, the central government is taking much more drastic measures. Associated Press quoted one official that described as one of those responsible for disease control at the Olympics who said this, if mass cluster transmission happens, it will impact the games and the schedule for sure. The worst scenario if it happens is independent of man's will, so we leave our options open. Even if China relaxes their zero-tolerance policy once the Olympics are over, there's still plenty of time in between for shutdowns to wreak havoc with the global supply chain. China has showed hardly any, if any at all, restraint about locking down people by the tens of millions even before the Olympics. And don't forget, Omicron's not the last. There are other variants that are coming in, and they're probably going to be as or more transmissible than Omicron. China's likely going to remain a patchwork of lockdowns. And if any of that happens, just a little bit of it, 
It's going to hit the United States like a freight train. But don't worry about it, folks. We've got Joe Biden in the White House and our Transportation Secretary, OMG, it's Pete Buttigieg. Pete Judabug. <laughs> you get it either way, it still sounds the same. Pete Buttigieg and Pete Judabug. They should be, both Joe and Pete should be thinking about some of these potential shocks to our supply train and try to find ways to mitigate them before they happen. But given Pete's performance so far devoted more to exercising his own paternity leave, he and his partner welcomed twins. And Pete's been on maternity leave. They're concentrating more on that than working behind the desk to try to get some of the country's actual transportation problems resolved. It doesn't look like there's going to be much effective action coming from from there. And as to the White House, my guess, it's the farthest thing from his mind. The man who should be president of the entire company, his country, is missing an incoming disaster because, as his speech in Georgia proved, he's too busy attacking his own people, you and me, and federal lawmakers, as the 21st century's answer to Democrats of the past who tried to destroy the U.S. in the Civil War and called out police dogs and fire hoses against black Americans seeking the right to vote in the South in the 60s. That's exactly what we're looking at now coming from this administration. And this could easily burn us in the end. I wonder where Pete is. Haven't heard of anything from him. Have you? Here's something that popped out in the news overnight. Earlier yesterday, a convicted January 6th rioter had an associate record him when he confronted another alleged January 6th rioter over why the second guy had been removed from the FBI's most wanted list and let off the hook. The convicted rioter was Micaiah Jackson, who pled guilty in November to parading, demonstrating, or picketing in a Capitol building. Travesty of the century. People died, right? Can you believe that? FBI arrested, threw in jail, kept in jail for a long time, finally cut a deal with him, and he pled guilty to parading, demonstrating, or picketing in a Capitol building. And he's scheduled to be sentenced next month to no more than six months behind bars. But that's an insurrectionist. The Washington Examiner reported this earlier. Robinson wore an earpiece during the riot, was filmed carrying what appeared to be a concealed handgun on his left hip. After the riot, he was pictured on the FBI's most wanted list for five months until without any explanation, he was removed on the very same day that the New York Times reported an FBI informant was at the Capitol on January 6th. There's no there there. (laughs) In one video, Jackson provided the backstory to this whole thing. Good morning, this is Micaiah Jackson, the host and the founder of the JFK Report. This morning we met a gentleman who was removed from the FBI January 6th wanted list, number 343, Luke Philip Robinson. 
Luke Robinson was at the Capitol that day. He had a firearm and an earpiece that day. And 10 days after the FBI came to my house for January 6th, I met Luke Robinson on April 3rd, 2021. And when I was arrested on May 18th, Luke Robinson disappeared. He and his associate could later be seen asking Robinson a series of questions. Question one, why were you removed from number 343 from the FBI wanted list? Robinson, can I talk to you after this? Question, we just want to know what's going on. Robinson, hold on a second. I'm making a sale right now. Question, are you a federal informant? Robinson, no. Question, were you a crisis actor? Robinson, no, I wasn't. Question, did you make a deal with the feds to spy on me because you had a firearm on your side January 6th? Robinson, can you please relax for a second? At one point, it appears they asked Robinson whether he knew or had spoken with Ray Epps, the infamous January 6th attendee, who'd been recorded on film encouraging other attendees to storm the Capitol. No, Robinson said, because we know you were at the Capitol, Jackson's associate promptly responded. You had an earpiece. You had a firearm. You had a firearm on federal property. That's serious stuff. I got charged with a misdemeanor for parading and picketing. And that's a firearm, man? I met you 10 days after the FBI came to my house. Throughout the whole encounter, Robinson refused to offer any answers. At one point, he did ask, do you actually want to buy this bike or not? It appears that Jackson and his associate tricked Robinson into showing up by pretending to want to purchase his bicycle. So after Robinson left, Jackson recorded one final message to the camera in which he revealed that he and his associates strongly suspect Robinson is some sort of federal informant. Everyone, that's Luke Robinson, alleged federal informant, driving off from our operation. We tried to interrogate him, ask him questions about being an alleged federal informant. What's still not clear is whether Robinson attended the Stop the Steal rally and subsequent riot as a federal informant, or whether he became a federal informant afterwards so that he could cut a deal with the feds. One of the two's got to be the truth. There's no other plausible representation of that. What's known for certain is that despite claims otherwise by members of the left, federal informants absolutely were present during the January 6th riot. As scores of Proud Boys made their way, chanting and shouting toward the Capitol on January 6th, one member of the far-right group was busy texting a real-time account of the march. The recipient was his FBI handler. That's from the New York Times, folks. In the middle of an unfolding melee that shook a pillar of American democracy, the peaceful transfer of power, The Bureau had an informant in the crowd providing an inside glimpse of the action according to confidential records obtained by the New York Times. They got a bug, an informant, inside the FBI on all this. Whether the informant was Robinson or Epps, that other guy, or someone else still remains an unsolved mystery. 
And guess what? January 6th Select Committee on finding out what happened on that January 6th day in the Capitol, Nancy Pelosi's thing. They didn't call anybody like this to talk to. They haven't even asked the House Speaker why she denied President Trump's request days ahead of the January 6th event because he suspected there was going to be some trouble. And that trouble he suspected came from the FBI, the same report that Nancy Pelosi got directly from the Department of Justice. And she said, no, don't do it. Nobody's asked about that. Nobody's asked about why she didn't order, which she's in charge of all this, by the way, order the Capitol Police to make sure they had enough people there to handle the expected crowd. In the middle of the day, if you didn't know this, Steve Baker, you remember that long interview we did a couple of weeks ago? He was there as a photojournalist. A couple of hours into the quote-unquote insurrection part of it, all of a sudden, Capitol Police came out of the woodwork. Nobody was armed at the beginning of this, but these new Capitol Police that came out were heavily armed. Why weren't there sufficient law enforcement people on site well before this whole thing happened to make sure nothing like this would happen. Don't you think prudent leadership would have done whatever was necessary to make sure they were prepared for the possible worst that could happen? Pelosi's not talked to anybody. Nobody's tried to talk to her. I wonder why. How have you been doing financially? Since the beginning, excuse me, since the beginning of all this, I bet if you like most people, you've struggled a bit. Maybe not struggle, that may not be the good word for you, but you haven't had the easy flow of things economically that you had become accustomed to, whatever that was and whatever it looked like. Well, as we were being blown around by a coronavirus tsunami, because of forced lockdowns, supply chain problems, economic upheaval across the nation, poverty in its wake. Globalist financial elites, they had a darn good pandemic. Listen to this, folks. The world's 10 richest men have more than doubled their fortunes during the pandemic and the lockdowns. The total number of these 10, they're worth 1.9 trillion with the T, $1.9 trillion at a rate of, you do the math, $1.6 billion a day over the past year, proving elites have largely been spared the misery and the financial ruin inflicted on so many by endless enforced lockdowns. A confederation of charities that focus on alleviating global poverty, Oxfam, said members of the globalist financial elite saw their wealth rose more during the pandemic more than it did the previous 14 years when the world economy was suffering the worst recession since the Wall Street crash of 1929. These are some of the main points from that report. Inequality Kills is the report's title, which has been released as Global business leaders meet virtually this week for the World Economic Forum. Normally, they're all there in their private jets. It happens in Davos, Switzerland. 
We have a situation where 10 men hold more wealth than of two-thirds of humanity. That's from Lynn Morgan, chief executive of Oxfam Australia. Not only that, but the bottom 40% are just barely hanging on by a thread. The report highlights what the charity says are unprecedented levels of global inequality as coronavirus sharpens the divide between us and them, the haves and the have-nots. Meanwhile, the likes of Tesla co-founder Elon Musk, Amazon's Jeff Bezos, Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg, enjoyed the greatest year-on-year growth since records began. At a time when a group of these men were using their riches to fly into outer space, the World Bank had projected that more than 160 million people had been pushed into poverty. And all 20 new pandemic billionaires have also been created in Asia, thanks to the international response to coronavirus, according to the charity. What a note to end the day on, huh? The rich get richer, while most Americans are at best trying to keep even. Stay above water. Just stay above water. My words to you, don't despair. There's light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not a train. God's got this. And as we close today, I'll just give you this one exhortation. Remember through it all, folks, the best is yet to come. You guys have a great day. Back tomorrow morning, Wednesday. It's hump day tomorrow here at TNN Live. I'm going to make a change for once in my life. It's gonna feel real good Gonna make a difference Gonna make it right As I turn up the collar on My favorite winter coat This wind is blowing my mind I see the kids in the street With not enough to eat Who am I to be blind? Pretending not to see their need A summer's disregard A broken bottle top And a one-man soul They follow each other on the wind, you know Cause they got nowhere to go That's why I want you to know I'm starting with the Take a look at yourself and then make a change. Uh-huh. Na-na-na, na-na-na. 
people 